Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, radio family. Not only is the weekend back, so is our public affairs program welcoming you each and every weekend to the weekend edition of Community Focus. Thanking you so much for your great company and certainly the good things you are doing in our communities. And always nice to be back to get engaged in great conversation, especially as our Community Focus family continues to grow. And that is yet again the case And a great opportunity to welcome our newest member, who is actually part of a nonprofit organization leading early childhood development and education initiatives in Forsyth County. So if that kind of gives you an idea of what our conversation will be about, I want to say good morning and officially welcome you, Louis Finney, to the Community Focus family. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm I'm amazing. And great to start the day, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, and I love that energy. You are definitely amazing, and I am so ready to engage in great conversation. And definitely the information that you, sir, I really appreciate you sharing with our radio family today. So let's get this conversation underway, shall we, in the course of getting to know you a little bit better. But the first question I want to ask, why is particularly pre-K services a priority for Forsyth County, especially when we talk about Smart Start of Forsyth County? Okay, I think uh, first, because uh, between the first one year to three years is actually when children learn the most. Right. And all the research and data actually states that uh, children who don't get pre-K services can actually are seven times more likely to go to jail, uh, but also not to graduate college, but also particularly when it relates to black children and black boys to be turned towards special needs and disabilities at third grade. And in Forsyth County, one of our roles is actually <clears throat> to work in partnership with the school district. Mm-hmm to make sure that before these children get into kindergarten, that the private child care industry, the pre-K industry, and the Head Start programs got the tools that they need to make sure these kids are successful, but also that their families are successful. Absolutely, Lewis. And I know that's something that we're going to get into a little detail, a little further into our, our conversation, particularly when we talk about parents and we talk about those who have children in the the pre-K stage and especially the the impact that COVID-19 and this pandemic has had. But in the meantime, you touched on a key word that I wanted to address to you, accepting the role as the CEO and executive director. You've served in that capacity for how long? Uh, approximately one year. 
Well, congratulations. You have an anniversary. <laughs> yes, I do. Wonderful one. And now, are you originally from the area? No, I'm actually from New Jersey. I relocated here from Florida. Oh, great, great. I know a lot of people from Jersey. There seems to be that Jersey, North Carolina connection, Florida in between, too, as a matter of fact. Well, wonderful, wonderful. Now, let's get back to and discuss or have you share with us what type of services does Smart Start provide for the community? Okay, well, our primary goal and what we do is we, we enforce the quality rating system. We're in the state of North Carolina, uh, each county and child care provider, in order to really identify quality, you have a rating scale from, say, one to five. Okay. And what we do is work with those providers to get them to that rating scale, and that's across the entire county for everyone that does pre-K. That's one of our primary goals, but also right. we fund multiple nonprofits to do work as well. They do work such as work with dads, work with parents that are low income. Mm -hmm. We also provide child care subsidies uh, to low income families throughout the county. We provide scholarships for teachers to get degrees, scholarships for parents to actually pay for any child care facility that they want to do. And and one of our our biggest things I'm proud of is we do training and technical assistance. So we work throughout the county and providing technical assistance for no charge to private child care directors who want to improve their program. Excellent. So you really have uh, quite the job and the role that you serve. And only being here in such a year or just a year, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have been able to see some amazing changes that have come to the organization and to the program as a whole since you've been in that role. Yes. Excellent. Now, why are you particularly, Lewis, interested in leading the efforts to improve education services for Forsyth County's children? Well, I think for one, I've been doing this work uh, for 20, 20 years. I thought all my career has mostly been early childhood, but also I'm also a vet as well. So I have kind of a quasi-military yeah. education background. Right. And what I saw that was unique in Forsyth County, uh, believe it or not, particularly as it relates to pre-K, uh, <clears throat> there are some unique challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in Forsyth County, we're one of the lowest funded to support pre-K in the yeah. state when you compare us to other communities. Okay. Uh, the other challenge that we have is we also are one of the one of the communities that have the least amount of teachers with a formal degree. So part of what our role is is to improve these teacher credentials to get them up and ready. Uh, so I like that challenge, but also right. I saw that Forsyth County was so much potential mm-hmm. to try to improve some of these services. In addition to doing this job, I'm also the president of a national family child care association. And oh. that organization, they represent about 3 million providers across the country in trying to work with the administration and improving quality care. So I like to use that experience as well to kind of help with some sales. Excellent. And and Lewis, what that says to me personally, and, and very likely to members of our community-focused family, you have not only a love for community, but you apparently have a love for, for children and for youth in general. Yes, I do. Excellent. Excellent. So you have, I think you're a great fit in the role and the position that you serve. Let's see if I can get one question in one more, at least, before we go to our first break in the morning. And we kind of okay. touched on this, but tell us a little bit more about who you are and what experience you bring to support your work for the betterment of our children and families in particular. Okay, I say first, I'm a man of faith and the Lord is my Savior. So that's the first person that, I, that guides me in the direction that I like to do, particularly as it relates to this work right. uh, with children. And uh, I've been doing this for the past 20 years, and part of it's because I had a child who had died of leukemia. Oh. 
at a young age. So I was uh, that also made me want to help and support particularly children who had that particular disease, but also right. children with disabilities. Yes. And and I was also given a chance because I was at a pre-K program where I actually was diagnosed with a disability at a young age and I was rescued through pre-K. Wow. So it was also some personal attributes exactly. for me wanting to get into this particular business. Right. And, and I find that uh, for me, I think that it's one of the most important but least recognized fields and I find, particularly during COVID-19, even the administration, right. the previous one with Trump, but even the current one with Biden, he's actually adding $30 billion just on child care because they were able to see how significant and important these particular workers were. Because particularly in Forsyth County, child care workers actually, many of them kept on working even through COVID when they mm-hmm. first started in March and April mm-hmm. to help support these firefighters and these nurses who had children so they can work. <clears throat> so I'm even realizing that COVID-19, really, it wasn't new to me to know that this was an essential job. I knew this all this time. But now the world actually sees how important it is to work with these young children. And also really to work with these providers because they're really low paid. So that's another challenge that I have and what I advocate for is really to give them a working and living wage and have that position be looked at as something that's very important to people. Absolutely. And, and Lewis, a couple of things on hearing you uh, share that. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for bringing that into the conversation because that certainly was a major concern uh, for a lot of our radio family. The majority of them, as you may or may not be aware, are parents and likely parents of small age children. And when this pandemic, which it'll be nearly a year since it hit and has really brought about so many dramatic changes in just our daily lives and our everyday way of doing things. We had a lot of parents that really relied on wonderful programs such as Smart Start. But then when all families, basically, we had to be quarantined, we couldn't go anywhere. And it affected a lot of the programs that were being offered to to many of our area parents. The second thing that I wanted to bring to your attention, and thank you for discussing that, is when you think of the word essential, we do think of our healthcare workers, we think of firemen, we think of policemen. I really do believe, and I thank you for stating that, I think our teachers should be added to that list as well because we have so many wonderful um, administrators uh, like yourself serving in various roles or capacities. You do this job, and, and you touched on the fact you you most teachers, if not all, really are not paid their true worth, first and foremost. But I have such an appreciation for each and every one of you because I come from a family of educators. I didn't follow exactly in their footsteps, but I have mad respect for everything that that all of you do. And I don't think teachers hear that enough. I don't think that's shared with them enough. So if I can just personally extend to you and to say to you through this public affairs program, thank you for everything that you have done and that I know that you look forward to continuing in doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lewis, we're going to make this a a breaking point. Uh, We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with the second half of the program. I have a few more questions to ask you if that's all right with you. That is perfectly fine with me. Wonderful. Well, listen, you started off as the newest member of our community focused family, but really, sir, a couple of minutes into our conversation, you official now. So welcome to the community focused family. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. And again, thank you for all you do. I look forward to the continuation of our conversation and to thank you, family, as well, for tuning in each and every weekend. And again, to thank you for the good things you're doing in our communities. We do have much more to discuss with Smart Start and its CEO, Executive Director, and Lewis Finney joining me. Renee Vaughn, and thank you for tuning in. This is the weekend edition of Community Focus, and we'll return right after this break. It is more the weekend edition of Community Focus. Thank you, Radio Family, for your great company, and equally so the company of members of our Community Focus family. We have our newest member, and Lewis Finney, who serves again as the CEO and Executive Director of Smart Start of Forsyth County. And and Lewis, we, we really got off to a fine start getting to know you in the role that you play as the CEO and executive director, and especially the services that Smart Start provides, particularly to our members in and around Forsyth County. We touched on this a little bit, but for those who are just joining us, give us a little more detail into what your current position is currently with Smart Start. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, currently, I serve as the CEO for the organization, so I work very closely with the board. We have a 30-member board that's made up of some elected officials, executives, and interested people in early childhood, and they help guide the direction and strategic plan of the organization as well. And and, uh, and probably about 40% of what we do is support other nonprofits mm-hmm. to help them, and where we get state funds that we, in turn, put out to the community actually for bid to apply for pro- projects that are within our vision of the organization and the community. And as, and as I stated earlier, our biggest role is ensuring that Forsyth County's quality rating system for pre-K yes. and children from zero to four is at a high level. Absolutely. And about how many, how many kids do you personally either help or you assist on, on a daily basis? Because Forsyth County is, is a pretty good sized county, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we have we have approximately about eight thousand wow. kids that we touch either through our subsidy program, yes. uh, but also we <clears throat> we have a Dolly Parton Imagination Library that works with twelve thousand families throughout Forsyth County. Right. And we provide literacy services for them, where every child gets a book, an evidence based book to help them, and their parents get free books. So we're mm-hmm. actually the ones who also supply books to every child that's born in Forsyth County. That is great, and you know uh, so they can read. Very true. Very true. And you know what? Sometimes, Lewis, I, I think because we are in such a technological age where we're, we're doing so many things by computers and smartphones and all of these electronic devices, it's so nice that we still can teach our generation of children the good old fashioned method of sitting down and opening up a Chris book and listening to those pages ruffle. You know, when you're turning pages mm-hmm. as you're reading, it's really nice that our kids still get a chance to do that because it's so easy to get caught up in those electronic devices. We know they like the video games and like to do all the other things, but it's also nice that you can still uh, tie in the old school method, if you will, of doing things. Yeah, and that's actually one of my favorite programs because the value that comes with that is that it, it forces a parent to actually sit with the child, exactly, to hold a child, right, to reference pages and to actually feel in touch and that's what the concept of a book actually gives that's beyond what the content is of the book when it relates to children that's an excellent point very well said and to add to that or actually 
to kind of backtrack a little bit. How did you hear about the particular position? Where were you at the time before you made the move to North Carolina, particularly in Forsyth County and around Winston-Salem? I was in Florida a uh, short period of time in the rally, but most of the time I was in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Okay. Oh, we just had the big game not too long ago. Oh, no, yes. apropos. <laughs> the Bucks, home of the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, getting back on track to our great conversation, Lewis. Let me ask you this. How has your agency supported the early care and education industry? Because we touched on this earlier too, as regards to COVID nineteen. Well, one is uh one of the conveners that work with the entire community uh, for this committee called Pre-K Priority. Well, we've been working for the past several months to try to get additional funds from either state or local government or the private industry to actually donate funds to support those kids who aren't served. Right. So we're one of the leaders working with other organizations on that. Uh, but secondly, which I think is the biggest part of what we do, is we ensure that the funding distribution is equal and support it for all child care. Uh, because in Winston-Salem, you do have different groups. You have Head Start services, you have the public schools, you mm-hmm. have private child care and private family child care. Right. And our role is to make sure that we're equal to these business owners, the school districts, and Head Start. Because from my perspective, no child, whether you're low income, Head Start, high income, they should be getting the same type of services to make them prepare for public schools. So we make sure that we're equally when they relate to that type of distribution, particularly of funds, but also technical assistance. Absolutely. And thank you for for really bringing that that word in particular equal uh, to the conversation. Well, speaking of COVID-19, how has it impacted the child care services in our communities? It's been dramatic. Uh, For example, when it first hit for the first two months, there was no child care. It was all shut down. Right. And, uh, and, And what our job was to do to try to help restore services, but we also continued paying these providers even though they didn't have children. Mm -hmm. And that way that enabled them to also in turn hire some of their staff back, but also have additional money to deal with some of the strict requirements to COVID-19. So even right now you have probably about 22% of the private child care after a year is still closed. Right. And it's done for a couple of reasons. One reason is because you have parents who literally think that it's not safe for their kids to come to, come back. to private child care, even public schools. Mm-hmm. So they're taking that choice. Right. Uh, the second is you have some small private child care providers who just simply could not afford to open up, have it been closed for three to four months. Mm-hmm. And, then the, and then the third indicator is, <clears throat> and that gets to salary and income inequality, where you have some situations where providers, staff chose not to come back because they can make more money on unemployment. Yeah. So that's been that's been another challenge. And what we're finding is that in our county, for example, 99.8% of every child care provider and teacher is a woman. And, uh, and then what we also found is that um, these providers who had children couldn't come back because they had to take care of their own children, own children too. Right, exactly. And some people chose to quit their jobs so they can take care of their kids. Mm-hmm. And statistically, it winds up being uh, the woman in the household who's doing this, who's also normally the woman in the household who's actually doing the child care business. So it's been a dramatic impact from that perspective. But, but I do think it, but we're actually better than most communities as far as staying open. Great. Because across the state, it's actually higher. It's close to about 30%. Right. In some communities, it's higher than 30%. So we're actually a little better when it relates mm-hmm. to that. 
uh, which is a plus. That is a plus. And you're so right with with all the the various scenarios that you just shared with with our listeners and our radio family. You're right. Uh, the, la- the the past year has really been traumatic in so many uh, different areas, but particularly the impact that it has had on child care services. I wanted to ask Lewis, if I can, just an aside. First of all, I like to bring to the conversation, if I can, because I think the discussion of mental health has been so important, especially in the midst of this pandemic with COVID-19, because when we think about this, for many of us, we've never been in a situation where we had to be quarantined Mm -hmm. for a large amount of time. And even though we're slowly getting back to, and we're, we're never, of course, going back to the normal of the way things were before the pandemic, but we're trying to adjust to a new normal and a new way of doing things. If I can ask personally for you, how has your mental state been? How has it been for the administrators and the teachers and the staff that you work with? And in particularly the mental state of our young ones, because no question about it, it's likely has had quite an impact on our youth because they're just not used to this. You know, kids... They're, they're, they're lively. They got to be with their friends. They want to be around other people. And when you are pretty much having to isolate in your own home for a specific period of time, you know, that can be a little bit hard, especially on younger ones as opposed to us older ones. Oh, wow. You asked a, a, a comprehensive and loaded question. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll start, but I'll start with myself and our staff. Right. Now, I think for me and even our staff, I think the one of the biggest challenges, particularly me coming in new about a year ago, right. is that I came in and a month later almost, we went into lockdown and COVID-19 and working mm-hmm. from home. Mm-hmm. So it really took away that opportunity for me as a leader coming in, so not only to get to know my staff, board members, but also even the community itself. Right. Because we had many events that were planned to go out there and market exactly. with the community to get a better right. understanding of what we do. And for me and, and even our staff, we've never really worked like we're currently working from home now. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge adjustment when your job is to go into exactly. child care facilities to provide support directly. Very true. And now you can no longer do that. So we had to adjust yeah. to try to do things online, change behaviors, to try to get to even know each other as a staff, right. get to know our providers as a staff. Mm-hmm. And that's been an adjustment because at the same time, you know, I have to realize that as the leader of the organization, that guess what? These people also have personal issues that mm-hmm. are obviously challenging at home. <laughs> right, exactly. With the whole, uh, particularly if, if you have some staff who are single mothers mm-hmm. who now have to take care of their children during the day right. because they don't have school. Exactly. So that's where it was important as me as the leader to be able to add that type of flexibility mm-hmm. and acknowledge that people have children, they have older adults, they have pets. So we have to look at that entire flexible place that not just impacts their work, but also their home and be more flexible to our employees that way. And I, and I think from the child care industry and the children, it's just not three and four year olds are not made to be. They cannot do lesson learning from home. Right. Exactly. Uh, because part of education mm-hmm. between that age of three and five is more social activity than academic and math right. and science. Yes. yes. So when you take 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 away that part of uh working with the four and five-year-old mm-hmm. and playing in the play, right. you're diminished almost 40% of 
of how you prepare a child for school. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact that many of our kids we serve are kids that are low income. And that's where the inequity comes in place because Mm -hmm. many of our programs, they get, they might get 80 to 90% to a hundred percent of their foods from some of these programs. Because we also work with the food and nutrition program that makes sure that they have a healthy meal. So you take away that piece Mm -hmm. and you add the stress that some of these kids get from their parents being around them all that time. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's uh, what we did do. We changed our strategic priorities and one of our corporate priorities is actually targeted around trauma-informed and supporting parents and children and teachers on how to deal with trauma and stress related to COVID-19. Yes. So we actually do have staff certified and licensed to be able to work in the community online, mm-hmm. but also when we open up to help deal with that situation. Yes. But that's going to be probably something that we're going to be dealing with, I would say, for the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be just a 2021 situation. Exactly. First of all, Lewis Finney, my hat's off to you, sir. You're right, that was a loaded question, but you handled that like a champ and then some. Thank you. You're very welcome. I really appreciate that. And that, to me, I I really appreciate all that you said because, you know, in light of all that is going on, we can no longer really just kind of push uh, mental our mental state, even when we get into the subject of, of mental illness and other issues related around it. It used to be such a taboo subject. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Well, now we're having to talk about it because we're in, we're in a situation where we, we don't know where we're going to be a year from now. We may not even know where we're going to be six months from now. But mm-hmm. to have conversations such as this, I think and I hope, brings a degree of reassurance to many parents who may still be struggling and they're looking for ways to not only help their children, but to help the whole family unit as a whole. And that's what I appreciate through the services that you're providing through Smart Start. And let me just say this, the board of directors couldn't have picked a better person you fit this particular role as the CEO and executive director, at least everything I'm hearing from you thus far today. You are just the perfect fit. I'm sure you're welcome that they were looking for, that they needed, and you have been such a tremendous help. So again, I, I just want to say thank you for what it is that you do. Now let's switch gears a little bit here because you did touch on, but and before I get to that, uh, Lewis, let me take this opportunity as I usually do to welcome some of those who may just be joining us Thank you very much. Radio family, you are in tune to the weekend edition of Community Focus, heard here on our intercom stations, and I really do appreciate your company, and I'm certainly appreciating enjoying the company of the CEO and Executive Director of Smart Start, and you, Lewis Finney. We were talking about not only 2021, but what new initiatives is your organization providing, not only in this year, but, you know, maybe years down the road? Yeah, one is our with a child health consultation, and that that actually begins this month. And that was through a grant that we recently received. Congratulations! We were hiring a nurse mm-hmm. and someone with back a background in public health who's going to be working directly with private child care providers around health and safety issues in right. their, their particular facilities. Uh, because what we've also found as centers were opening up or have been closed that they've been having challenges opening up because of potential health and safety issues. Mm-hmm. So this nurse is going to not only help them with that health and safety perspective, but also give them some tips 
as it relates to kids that have some disabilities that might be physical disabilities to provide some services for them. And that actually starts once we hire this person within the next month. And the other is something I touched on uh, briefly, and that's where we're going to be providing specific help to support teachers who deal with children with challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I found out this past year uh, through surveys, but also through my own professional experiences, that there's a lack of support uh, for teachers dealing with children with challenging behaviors. Because it's not that the teachers aren't good. But when you get a degree in early childhood, it doesn't specifically train you as well as it could on dealing with children with challenging behaviors. So historically what has happened is I was one of those kids with challenging behaviors too in pre-K, is that you take that child and you put them in the principal's office. Mm -hmm. And what has historically happened is it's been a black boy. And the data actually says that it's not just white teachers that do it, it's black teachers that do that with black boys as well. (laughs) So... But what the data also shows is that these teachers just weren't properly trained. Right. And it's not even the income issue. It's just the assumption that a black and Hispanic boy is just a bad boy if they're pulling a girl's hair. Mm -hmm. But there's ways to actually work with that teacher to work with that classroom to support her. Because it's kind of hard to deal with 24-year-olds and it's just you and your assistant. Trust me, I... I can't do their job. I tell a teacher that in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I I don't have the patience. But there is a certain skill set and training that they can get and get that type of support. So we're going to be doing that. That's going to be countywide once we get all of our staff certified to kind of deal with that. Because what we expect and anticipate is as all these children start coming back, you're going to have a plethora of children that are going to have challenging behaviors. And what we want to do is do more preventive. Because pre-K is really also a preventive program. Mm Mm-hmm. You want to prevent these things from happening so these kids aren't pushed into special needs and disabilities because of behavioral issues. Well, Lewis, thank you for sharing that. And you, sir, I tell you, you you've just been a joy to speak with today. You you really you. are. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you. But you were spot on with one word that I actually wanted to in, incorporate and ask in this question. How can speaking of support? How can we as a community support the work you do? What, where can we come in to help someone like you and your staff? Okay, I think, I think first is, is patience and understanding <clears throat> to the fact, uh, to your original point, that our star staff as well has dealt with some challenging issues as related to COVID-19, and yeah. we're still here. Yeah. And, and what I encourage the people in the community to do is really go to our website. Mm-hmm. It will tell you all the activities, but also the training opportunities that we're having okay. to support their work. Excellent. Also do you participate in our, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was, can tell you the website. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's www.smartstart.org. Okay. Hope I got that right. That will give you our information. You can also follow us. We're active on Twitter and Facebook. Very good. And uh, we have our annual fundraiser. That's April, the third week of April. And we moved to a virtual fundraiser. Okay. Originally, it was going to be face-to-face. Right. But we thought in the best interest of health and safety, mm-hmm. and we moved to a virtual one. And we'll send out information to the community about that. Excellent. Excellent. And, and third, support our initiative for pre-K priority. Right. We're working very closely with organizations like Family Services, Child Care Research and Referral, and the public schools, and the county government to really seek funds to support pre-K. Mm-hmm. Uh, because me as the person who funds 
the NC pre-K in our community, I was put back that we're getting probably about one-third what we should be getting compared to other counties. Wow. And we continue to have a waiting list mm-hmm. of four-year-olds who cannot get into programs. Wow. So we've been pushing and getting pushing support from the state to get yeah. additional funds. So when we have our community meetings, we really can benefit from getting the help from the community of saying that pre-K is a priority for Forsyth County. Absolutely. Whether you have a child or not. That's true. And that ties in beautifully with my, my final question for you of the morning. How's your company funded? We're funded through the state primarily, mm-hmm. and that's the State Department of Health and Human Services, and also through an organization called NCPC, mm-hmm. which is North Carolina Preschool. And what they do is they also fund some of our services. And then there's a portion that we fundraise for that do special programs. Right. And that's so I would incor- say about 95% is the state, and okay. the rest is through fundraising. Gotcha, gotcha, including your upcoming one for April. I tell you, tell you what, Lewis, before we, we wrap up our conversation for the morning, as we get closer to that date, stay in contact with me because I, I appreciate that. I want to make you aware of two things. Number one, on this public affairs show, you're not a one and done <laughs> member of our community-focused like family. Thank you. Thank you. So I definitely look forward to having you on a future program to perhaps give us more information and more details on what we can do as a community to support and help with the upcoming uh, April fundraising with Smart Start. And secondly, absolutely. To, absolutely. I appreciate that. And finally, my 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 friend, let me give you an opportunity in the remaining minutes that we have of this public affairs program, is there any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to make or anything that you'd like to go over that I didn't uh, have a chance to ask you question-wise? Yeah, I could, I could just leave with saying that uh, uh, Forsyth County for me is, has been a jewel, an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, despite the challenges that everybody's dealing with with COVID-19, right. I must give credit that the community has been very pleasant and nice and supportive of me and the mission Wonderful. Of what I've been trying to do to support their children and families. And I would like that to continue. Yes. And I also want to thank you uh, directly for the amazing opportunity just to be able to talk about such an important subject that's important to me in my life. Yes. Um, but also I think that's important to a lot of people in our community, which is early care and education in Forsyth County. And you, I want to thank you again. You're so welcome. Beautifully said, Lewis. I couldn't have said it any better myself other than... I'm so glad you like the Southern hospitality (laughs) thus far. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. So neighbor, and I say that because I proudly call Winston-Salem home as well. And the one thing, hopefully, sometime soon, Lewis, and speaking of adjustments, and, and I'll make this the final part of our conversation, I'm so used to having radio family like yourself in the studio with me. I have been missing that. You just don't know since. And just having that human interaction and and being around people. I'm really hoping that we can return to a point that at at some place down the road, we could have an opportunity to meet face to face. But until that time, I'm going to leave you with a virtual hug you know, pound, dap. <laughs> You're so welcome. All the greetings that, that I can think of. And to, again, just say thank you for what you do. Will you please extend a hello to your staff and, and let them I know sure 
how much we appreciate what all of you are doing. Thank you so much. So, Lewis Finney, with me, Renee Vaughn, no goodbyes. Just until next time. All right. I look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. And Radio Family, thank you for the great things you're doing in our communities. Please, you too, keep up the great work. Definitely continue to stay safe. And until that next time, you have been listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus with me, Renee Vaughn, along with Louis Finney, the CEO and Executive Director of Smart Start. Until that next time, also, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care.